This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you need a Bible, raise your hand so you can follow along with us. We're in Matthew chapter 8 this morning, continuing our series through Forsaken Kingdom, the Gospel of Matthew. Um, in your seat backs, there is a calendar with our monthly events you have through the month of November. On the back of that calendar is a spot for you to take notes. If you'd like to take notes, I have four points for you that I'm going to give you this morning. There will be a quiz afterwards. The title of today's message is King of Compassion, and I can tell you I've met a lot of people in my life, and there's nobody, I've met nobody like Jesus Christ. Jesus is the most incredible, compassionate person that I've ever encountered, and let me tell you this morning that he is your king. He's my king. He's the king of compassion. And there's a couple things that I want to share with you before we get into the word. <clears throat> I woke up not feeling well this morning, so just honest with you guys. And then I drank too much coffee on top of it. So if I start shaking uncontrollably, that's just bring me another cup real quick. <clears throat> Two things. The first thing is I did this last year a little bit further out. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but we're getting close to the holiday season. Well, we're in the holiday season, y'all. It's Thanksgiving on Thursday, right? So we're in the holiday season, and I want to encourage you, more than encourage, I want to force, but you know how that goes. I want to encourage you to be praying for your friends and family, especially for those conversations you are going to have. Thanksgiving Day, which is my birthday, if you were wondering, and also <laughs> Christmas coming up. You're going to have conversations that are going to go south really quick. Can I get a witness? I mean, I don't know about you, but I know that I'm going to have conversations that are going to get difficult really quickly. Do you know that if you are praying for those conversations now, how much better they're going to be when you have them? Let me tell you something. They are going to be 100% better when you're praying for them now before they come up on that holiday night after dinner or whenever it is. So I want to encourage you, please be praying for your friends, be praying for your family, be praying for those opportunities you have to love and speak life into others around you. Don't take it for granted. It's pretty interesting that Gracie is doing uh, the ladies' Christmas social. Her theme is joy to the world. My theme also for our Christmas Eve service and our Christmas messages, my theme is joy to the world with a question mark instead of a period. You know why? Because it's interesting that statistically the holiday season is the most depressing time of the year. This is the time when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. It wasn't on that day, by the way, spoiler alert. We don't know when exactly it was. It's probably in the spring. We don't know exactly when it is, but it's the most depressing time of year. 
when we should be receiving and taking joy in the great gift that's been given to us through God's Son, Jesus Christ. Number two, if what Sean said to you impacted you at all, because it impacted me both services, I like that guy. Psalm chapter 62, I read this. We had a, a testimonial night on last Wednesday. It was so precious. It was so good. For, the, for those of you who missed it, you totally missed out. But the Lord put this verse on my heart and I shared it. And I want to share it with you as well. Those of you struggling or just in a difficulty right now, uh, Psalm chapter 62, <clears throat> verse 8. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart to him, for God is a refuge for us. Do you know that maybe you pour out your heart to God and the pain doesn't go away? Maybe the trial doesn't end. Maybe things are still difficult, but you know what? He says to you that he wants you to trust him and that he's able to take it. So give it to him and keep giving it to him. The Lord gave me this verse when I was in a very difficult season of my life. And he said to me, Tim, I know that you're going through difficulty. Lay it on me. Pour out your heart to me. It doesn't mean that your problems are going to go away. It doesn't mean everything's going to change, but you can trust me to take care of you. And oh, Boy, how he has taken care of me and desires to take care of you as well. Did we pray already? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. We thank you that you are so intentional about touching our hearts. Thank you that you're always available for us. We thank you for your great, incredible compassion that you have towards us and that we see that compassion demonstrated through these four people groups today that we're going to look at in your word. We pray, Lord, that you would till the soil of our hearts, that we would receive your word as good seed, the good seed that it is, and that it wouldn't just be a seed planted, but it, but it would grow, it would spring forth, and it would produce fruit for your glory. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 8, verse 1. When he had come down from the mountain. Everybody say with me, come down from the mountain. When he came down from the mountain. The, the, the part that we just covered was a, was a high point. It was some of the most inspirational, incredible words that we have communicated to us by Jesus Christ. The Mount of Beatitudes. And what happens? What is he met with as he comes down from the mountain? Nobody says, you know, I came back from the beach like in a good, with a good attitude. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I just always make fun of people that like the beach because, guys, if you didn't know this, we live in the desert. If you're not going to lay out in the sun in the desert, why are you going to go to California and do That's all I'm saying, number one. Number two, the mountains are supremely better than the beach. Everybody knows that. You go up to the mountains. I love going up to the mountains and just, and just 
experiencing the awe and wonder of God's creation. I love sitting around a campfire at night with my kids and looking up in the stars and picking out the constellations. You can't do that at the beach. Maybe you can, but that's not my point. My point is the mountains are better. And every time I come down from the mountains, I get bad news. I'm not trying to speak that into my life for the future. I'm just saying the reality is I'm having a really good time with my family in the mountains. And for some reason, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not the mountain of the shadow of death, it's the valley after you come down from the mountain, I will fear no evil. On a real note, we were driving down from the mountains the last time we went up, and there's one spot where I get 500 million text messages at one time. I've been out of cell service for two or three or four days. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And as I'm coming back, I just get bombarded with all of these things, which is fine. It's just life, you know? But I got this one text message last time we were coming down. Grace and I's mutual best friend. So we have these best friends that he was my best friend and she was Grace's best friend. And we said to them, you guys should get married so we can all be best friends forever. And they listened to us. So if you're single and you need a husband or wife, come talk to me. I'll hook you up and we'll be best friends for life. We got a message from our best friends. He said, Tim, I'm not sure Um, if you guys got my text message a few days ago, but his wife, our dear friend, um, was diagnosed with breast cancer while she's pregnant with their fourth child. They have to do an emergency cesarean section and start her on chemotherapy as soon as possible. As we were coming down the mountain and we spent the rest of the drive crying for the next three hours as we were coming here. And Jesus exemplifies for us the kind of man who has compassion on people that even though he's coming down from the mountain, he wants to meet them exactly where they're at. And this is the thing about Jesus that still, as long as I've studied the Bible and as long as I've taught the Bible, the thing that still really grips my heart so tightly of how compassionate Jesus is in meeting people where they're at. As he's dying on the cross, listen to me, church. As he's dying on the cross, he's praying, please, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'm on the cross. I'm saying, God, strike them. Jesus is saying, forgive them because he is the man. He is the king of compassion. And as he's coming down from the mountaintop, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What was Jesus confronted with as he came down from the mountain? Do you know what he was confronted with? He was confronted, the first person that came up to him was death. Death. This man who had leprosy and was ostracized from society, nobody would be around him. He would be outside the camp to the degree that we don't really understand the severity of leprosy nowadays, to the degree that as he's walking down the road, he sees normal people down the road and he says, unclean! 
Stay away from me. You don't want what I have. You're going to get sick. And he approaches Jesus. And he says, Lord, if you are willing, can I say to you this morning, can you receive that the Lord is willing to touch your life? He says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. Do you know that you shouldn't touch a leper? You know how many times I wash my hands on a Sunday morning? I shake your hand and I smile and I go directly to the restroom and wash my hands because you're filthy. I don't like to pet dogs because dogs are dirty. I like the idea of dogs. But I feel like I have a film on my hand. After I scratch his head, I'm like, why? Jesus puts his hand on the leper. And what does he say? He says, I am willing. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I have to bring it up again because it's so applicable. Do you know that Jesus is willing to heal you? You have to want to be healed. And I will tell you that there's people sitting around you this morning that are content where they're at, and they don't want to be healed. Things that you can confess and receive healing about, but you want to just hold on to it. You want to just sink down into it. You want to have that pity party. But I have to tell you that Jesus is willing. He's more than willing. Point number one, if you're taking notes of our four points, Point number one is permanent. Permanent. The things that you think that you see as permanent, unchangeable, hopeless in your life, God sees as temporary. God looks at your life and he says, why are you stuck on that thing that you think is permanent? I am willing, but you're not willing to have it addressed. There is no permanence when it comes to God. Do you know that, Christian? Brother, sister, do you know that God looks at your life and he doesn't say you're stuck in this condition permanently? He is not only willing, but he is able. And trust me when I say to you, if you're thinking in your head, there's somebody here thinking it at me. If you're thinking in your head, you're wrong, Tim. This is permanent in my life, and I've just learned how to live with it. Let me just tell you, you are dead wrong. I have seen God do things in people's lives that are unexplainable. And I say, how did that work out? How did that happen? They say, I cannot explain. I've I've seen a lot of things, but I need you to understand that it's not permanent, point number one. The leprosy was, was, was not, it, it wasn't diagnosable. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't curable. Let's read on. I'm willing, be cleansed. 
immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. This is what you guys got to know. You got to love God's word. You know why? Because in the Old Testament, God makes provision for an uncurable disease to be cured. Do you know that? There's provisions that when a leper is cured, this is what they're going to do. They're going to go talk to the priest, and then they're going to get the final, okay, everything's. But, but, it, but it's something that's not curable. You, you don't just, you know, when you have leprosy, you know what kind of stuff happens? I'm trying to gross you out this morning. You want to know what kind of stuff happens? Like your fingers fall off and stuff. What is that, the, that Monty Python, you know, where he shook his hand and his hand fell off? He said, oh, sorry about that. I got this problem with my body parts falling off. It's not curable. But God makes provision in his word because nothing is impossible for God. And it wasn't time for Jesus to be heralded as the Messiah, yet the time was coming. And he says, keep it to yourself. Keep it on the DL, okay? That I healed you from an incurable disease. Just go through the process of going to the priests and getting the final okay and the final clear. And if you're a leper, how are you going to keep that to yourself? I don't know. I woke up today and I was fine. That's the weirdest thing. Jesus, Jesus did it. There is a time that when God touches you and heals you in something that you thought was permanent in your life, there's a time and a place that you can go out and share that with everybody else. It's not what Jesus is saying. Keep the things that God does in your, in your life to yourself. In fact, it's, it's the opposite of that. You get an opportunity to share into somebody else's life the things that God has touched and healed and done in your own life. Do it. I'm telling people all the time. Permanent. Could you imagine being a leper for however long you're a leper and then finally being part of a community again? You think that was the first time possibly? I mean, we can go down this road all day long. Do you think that was the first time possibly since the diagnosis for this person that, that, that he was physically touched? Could you imagine people not touching you? I'm a very touchy guy. I'm like always hugging and pinching and touching my kids. I'm surprised they're not sick of it. But I just got to touch them. Know that I love them. Could you imagine not being able to be touched by threat of somebody else losing their life or getting this disease? And Jesus touches them and then tells them, don't go and tell anybody that I healed you. Huh. Number two, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. What was the first thing that Jesus encountered as he came down from the mountain? What was the first thing? Death. One person was listening to me the last 15 minutes I was talking. I'm just kidding. Death. Leprosy. What was the second thing Jesus encountered as he came down from the mountain? The enemy. Because we forget sometimes, right, that Rome, the Romans, were occupying Israel at the time, and they were literally the enemy of Israel. And this guy, this Roman, not just a Roman soldier, the Roman centurion, 
comes to Jesus and look at what he says. He says, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. This Roman centurion that's occupying the nation of Israel puts himself under Jesus's authority. Is that crazy? The enemy? You guys got to deal with people too, right? On a regular basis. Ever have your enemy ask you for help before? Sure, I'll help you, enemy. He says, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Our second word, if you're keeping track, is significant. Significant in two ways. The first way is the illness we can see. The second thing is that we're going to talk about in a minute. I'm not going to spoil it for you. And Jesus said to him in verse 7, I will come and heal him. Lord, says the enemy, my servant is dreadfully ill and tormented. And Jesus says, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, for the second time, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. And he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith not even in Israel. This is, you guys, this is too much. I'm, I want to yell at you, but I got a slight headache, so I won't. The enemy comes to Jesus and says, my servant is ill. First of all, like, you know what, dude? We know you don't care. You just support slavery and junk. So why don't you just get another servant, you know? Because there was an element of compassion that this man had. He was God-fearing, and he places himself under Jesus' authority by asking him to heal his servants. What's the second significant? That's the next word, right? What's the next significant thing that we say, that we see? We see Jesus saying, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. I want you guys to know this. This book, the Bible, from the beginning to the very end, is all about one thing. It's all about, it all hinges on this one thing. Genuine faith in God. That's it. You can go through everything, and there's two types of people. There's sons of obedience, daughters of obedience, and sons and daughters of disobedience. God says, I have given my my." Uh, absolute truth. I have given you what these things look like. Um, the, the book is not about obeying a set of laws. It's about responding to God based on faith that you say that you have on a daily basis. He says, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel to the degree that he believed that Jesus was who he said he was and that Jesus didn't have to touch his servant, like he touched the leper. And, and it says, as we'll see, and I say to you that many will come, verse 11, from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, 
But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. This is how powerful faith is. If you didn't understand or know this, this is how powerful faith is. And what you ultimately What you genuinely believe is going to come out of your life in one way or the other, in your words, in your actions. You can't just keep saying that you believe something and not have it affect you or change who you are as a person. This faith that the centurion had, I don't know how he got it, but he understood And believed, this guy who was a man, believed that all Jesus had to say, if he truly had authority that he said he had, all he had to do was speak the word that his servant was going to be healed, and he believed that it was going to be so. Significant? I would say that's significant. I would like to compare it to my own life and say, what do I believe? What do I really believe? How do I communicate that to people? How can I be as genuine as possible? That is something that I strive to do. If you've known me for any amount of time, I don't do well fake. I'm talking about me. I don't do well fake. I'm a little too honest sometimes. Because I know it's going to come out anyway. Don't trick yourself. I can fake them. I can fake them till I make it. You can't. You're not going to be able to. The more I talk to you, I'm going to see that you're a hypocrite. Like Jesus said, that's Jesus' words, not mine. Jesus said, go your way, and as soon as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Point number three. Now, when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. Now I want you to notice, I haven't brought this up yet, but I'll bring it up here. There's a duality to each one of these examples. There's two things at play, kind of like what we talked about last week with the physical and the spiritual. The same thing is is at play here in these verses that we're reading. And, And it affects, do you know that whatever you go through in life affects more than just you? You guys get that, right? It's pretty simple. So the the leper, who was the other people his leprosy affected? Well, I mean, his friends and family for sure. But who did Jesus specifically say in the text that he should go talk to? The priests. He says, go see the priests and talk to them. And we have the physical healing. And then he says, go give them the testimony that you are healed. You have a testimony also that you are supposed to go to others at whatever specific time and place and share with them. It's not something that you're keeping to yourself. Number two, the centurion. Who was the other person that was affected in the story with the centurion? The servant. And he had compassion to the degree to pursue Jesus as Jesus is coming down from the mountain to ask Jesus to heal his servant. Who are you praying for right now? 
You know, the gift of intercession is real. I know people like me that pray a lot. And 95% of the time I'm praying for myself. It's a joke. But it does take a real gift to really seek the Lord on somebody else's behalf. Have you ever just, have you ever interceded for somebody before? Have you ever fasted for somebody before? I mean, like fasting for myself, let alone you. I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm hungry. I'm sure you'll be fine. Seeking something for somebody else's betterment on somebody else's behalf. So not only do you have a testimony that you can take to other people, you have something good to offer them to your detriment. What if it went south when this man, who's a Roman soldier, goes and talks to the Messiah of Israel? Do you think that there was any fear? Jesus could have just, you know, offed him right there. He had a large following. There were crowds with him. He's like, hey, you see this guy? He's the enemy. Take him out. How many people do you think would have hesitated to take this guy out? Well, it says to us over and over again in the scriptures that Jesus had to hide himself or remove himself from situations. Otherwise, the people would try to force him to be the king. Do you know that? So he responds to the centurion through the centurion's desire of intercession for his servant. And he ministers and meets him there. Then we have Peter's mother-in-law. How many of you guys pray for your in-laws? Good. Pray more. The holidays are coming. (laughs) And I love, love, love this portion of Scripture. Here's why. Because you can stand. The Israel interest meeting is after this service. I want you all to come with me. You can stand in the synagogue that Jesus preached in, in this city, Capernaum. You will walk out the front door with me this uh, next June, 2020. You will walk out the door with me and take the same path that Jesus and Peter and his disciples took, walking to Peter's house where he touched this woman and healed her immediately. It's pretty incredible. I can see it in my mind's eye right now. Peter's house, walking out of the synagogue. And the third word for us is imminent. And it's imminent because we don't know what was going to happen, but we know that Jesus was purposeful in going to heal her because we don't know what's going to happen. You guys have things that pop up or that are imminent in your life? Yeah. God, I need you to, it seems like most of the prayers we pray, right? God, I need you to take care of this today. I need you to take care of this yesterday, Lord. This this does not need to be an issue in my life anymore. You know that Jesus meets us in the imminence? He will address the issues in the perfect timing. (laughs) Not necessarily in my perfect timing, but he does address the issues in his perfect timing. He's never late. And as much as I can take confidence in the fact that he's never late, he's also very rarely, if ever, early. The perfect time. He goes into Peter's house. He saw his wife's mother laying sick with a fever. So he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. 
Who are the people, remember, twos? Who is the next the person besides uh, Peter's mother-in-law who are affected by her illness? Her guests, right? It says that she was healed. I think it's interesting. It says that she was healed and that she immediately got up and started to serve people. You know, service is indicative of where your heart really is. I have people come up and say, hey, we want to serve. We want to help out in the church. I said, do you really? We'll see. Because the bathrooms need cleaning. Well, hold on, man. Don't you know I've got a degree? you got a degree in toilet scrubbing, buddy. Now, you better get to it. We get to pick and choose what we want to do. You know, there's people that I know that I can ask to do anything. I'm like, hey, I need, I need help with this. Can you do this? I know 100% guaranteed that nine times out of the 10, the, the answer is going to be, I'll take care of it. I'll do it. Service. Serving. Exposes our heart, our intention. You know, me, I get the man cold. I'm milking it. Right? I'm in bed. Didn't you, don't you know I'm sick? You can't ask me to do anything. No, but really, when service is exemplified through our lives, it is part of that faith that's connected to or or, or being connected to that faith that we say that we have being demonstrated openly. Because if I'm really not into serving others, if I'm really not about caring who you are or what your issues are, then what kind of gospel do I even believe for me personally, for real? Like what? What, what, how is it, it hasn't affected me, it doesn't affect my life, but it does to the degree that I, I want to help people, I want to bless people, I want to love people, I want to be there for them, and we all should be in that same place to where Jesus touched us, it's time to get up and help somebody else. Now get up and help somebody else. What's imminent for us is nothing for Jesus. <clears throat> Number four, starting in verse 16, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. It's exactly how I feel when I'm coming down from the mountain. (laughs) I'm like, y'all are demon-possessed. Leave me alone. Get away from me. That was a joke, too. Thank you, Christina. There is a difference between demon possession and demonic oppression. I need you to understand that. And I can't get into the theology of it this morning. If you ever want to have that conversation, I have no problem sitting down and going through the scriptures and showing you the difference between demonic uh, possession and demonic oppression. You as a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a professing believer in Jesus Christ, it is not possible for you to be demon possessed, period. If you ever meet somebody who says, I'm a Christian, but I got this problem with this demon living inside of me. The whole, this is why I say, the Holy Spirit doesn't take roommates. Sorry. He doesn't do roommates. Once he cleans the house, it's clean. But there is a real problem with oppression. And I believe, and I could also, we could talk about this biblically, but we don't have time. But I believe that 
The demonic presence and oppression looked differently before Jesus died on the cross than it does today. I think it was way more intense, and he dismantled principalities and powers to a certain degree that they cannot have the same kind of impact on you that they used to be able to have. So you may be oppressed, but the enemy, the devil, cannot make you do anything. Can I get a witness today? Anybody know that? You can never say the devil made me do it. You can't say it. Because there's that element of human responsibility that has been gifted to you by God the Father. That you could be influenced in something. This is what I say. Uh, spiritual warfare is an influence in your life to get you to do something that you know you're not supposed to do. Just talking to somebody the other day who, who I said to them, you cannot go near this plant, okay? Don't go near it. Stay away from it. No matter where they find themselves on this stage, somehow, even if it's backwards or sideways, they just got to touch the plant. I'm like, I told you, you can't do that. Why do you find, I don't know. I just, I find myself in the place of doing something that I know that I'm not supposed to do. And the devil made me touch the plant. No, the devil did not make you. You have the ability to say yes or no. And the Bible clearly says, I love saying that. The Bible says, the Bible clearly says that if you resist the devil, he will what church? You guys know that verse too? If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. He can try to influence you. He can try to get you to go in that direction, but he, he can't force you to do it. We say, no, I hate that plant and kick it off the stage. I'm done with you, plant. Why are you always tripping me up? Jesus addresses two things here. What does he address? Number one, he addresses that influence in your life. And you know what it is better than I do because we've all got our issues. Do you guys know that? I loved saying that this morning in the first. You all have problems. <laughs> Everybody has a different problem. And if you think that you can say, I got no problems. Oh boy, I don't even want to know what it is. Because we've all got issues. We've all got stuff that Jesus meets us in as the king of compassion to help us address it. We have to, what does it say there? What does it say? It says that he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. We have to take note. We have to come to Jesus with our junk so that he can address it and heal us. He always does. We don't want to be healed. Yeah, it's a struggle for us. But he's not going to address it until we address it. He's not going to do it until we say, please heal me. I need to be healed. I've had people ask me before, if Jesus was so great when he was on the earth, Pastor Dim, if Jesus was so great when he was on the earth, why didn't he just heal everybody of everything? And here's why. There were still people that needed healing after Jesus left because Peter and the other disciples went and they healed them in Jesus' name. You guys know that? Jesus didn't heal the people that didn't come and ask him for it. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy that Jesus didn't supernaturally just like 
flinging out blessings. Boom, boom, boom. You're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed. Because some people don't want to be blessed. Why? I don't understand. Some people don't want to be healed. Some people don't want to be blessed. Some people, misery loves company. And they want you to go down that road with them. Can I tell you this morning that that's the anti-type? That's the opposite of what God's intention for you is? That's the opposite of his heart? That's the opposite of this, this, this picture of compassion that we see in God's word. He wants to meet us. We have to come. We have to ask. And if you're one of the kind of people that think you've got it all together, you don't need God, it's a story, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then don't expect God to meet you. Remember last week when I said to you, I want to challenge you. I want you to go away, and we highlighted the verse where Jesus says, ask, seek, knock, and it will be given to you. You, you will understand. God will reveal himself to you. How many of you actually did that? I did, that's what I thought. Anyway, okay. I'm sure you did. You're just nervous. You don't want to be put on the spot. That's fine. Okay. If you ask... If you approach God, if you cry out to him, trust in him, O ye people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. He will meet you. He wants to. He's waiting to. And we talked about that a, a couple weeks ago with, with, the, with the, the, the parents and the children illustration. You, you being evil... <laughs> desire to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father want to give good gifts to you? So number one, he, he dealt with the demon possession. Number two, he healed those who were sick. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. You know, I can't bear your burdens you know the verse that says, bear one another's burdens? I can't bear your burdens if I don't know what your burdens are. We've got, a, we've got a, an issue of, of, of um, trying to be self-sufficient and take care of ourselves and everybody else. Listen, you guys got to confess your sins one to another, and he who is faithful and just will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You know there's power, like we talked about last week, there's power in confession, saying this is something that's going on. You know, at first service, I told the people in first service that I was in a, I woke up, I was in a bad mood this morning. I'm not in a bad mood anymore because I don't know why. No, because God is incredibly good even to sinners like me and we're all in the same boat. And by his grace, he meets us. And we're able to, to pick ourselves up and then put ourselves down, put those issues that we have, put those things down and then look around us and say, what do you need help with? You know, I read an article that says that we need to stop asking people how they're doing because nobody answers you honestly anyway. So the whole premise, have you guys heard this? The whole premise is stop asking people, hey, how are you doing? And there's foreigners, by the way, that make fun of Americans, especially for doing that. And I, I, would, I asked this one girl from, from Asia one time, I said, hey, how do you say, how are you doing in your language? She said, well, we don't say that. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't know how to tell you in my language that, because we don't 
ask each other how we're doing. I'm like, that's really weird. She's like, no, you're weird. But I've always made it a point for myself personally to try to be as honest as I can be when people ask me that question. Hey, how are you doing? Not great today. Well, I didn't want to know. Why'd you tell me? Because you asked. (laughs) But I would say that that article and that whole philosophy is baloney. Don't listen to it. Instead, do this. Think about when somebody asks you that question, how you can honestly answer them and answer them in honesty. Or instead of waiting till you're asked, because you know 50 people today are going to ask you how you're doing, especially after church, think ahead of time of how you're going to respond and say, you know what, it's kind of a rough week, but God is good. And he got me this far, and here we are together. And now I'm actually doing really well. If I had a dollar for every time somebody said to me, I didn't want to go to church today, but I'm sure glad that I got out of bed and I came. I would be really rich if I had a dollar every time. Let's wrap this up, okay? Jesus addresses their infirmities, addresses their illnesses. He takes their burdens off of them like Pastor Sean quoted. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You can't experience that until Jesus takes the burden off of you. And you're like, wow, I didn't even realize my back was hurting so bad from carrying all that stuff. In closing, four of our points that we talked about. uh, Number one, permanent. There's no situation in your life that you go through that is permanent The reality is everything's temporary, and even if you do have a physical condition that is is literally incurable, it's not because God can can, um, cleanse anything. He can heal anything. But there's going to come a point in time where you step into eternity and you are going to be whole. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can I get a witness? I'm looking forward to the point that I don't have to deal with this flesh anymore. Number two significant. Now, I noticed that some things are important to some people, and there's no problem that any of you have that is insignificant to God. People can say something to me, hey, this is what I'm struggling. I'm like, that's dumb. That's stupid. That's nothing. That's baby stuff. What are you struggling with that for? That's not fair. I don't know what that person's going through. I don't know the issues that they've had with that thing for their entire life. And to God, nothing's insignificant. Everything's significant, and he addresses us. He approaches us like that. Number three, imminent. The things that you think are imminent are not so much so imminent as you think they are. This is that opportunity for us to trust God and say, God, I know that I think my world is falling apart and this is happening right now, and I wish that I was dead, but instead, I know that you're going to take care of it. I know that you're going to take care of me. I know that you're going to meet us here. Number four, fulfillment. Jesus is the fulfillment. He is the one that carries our burdens for us. Like the super corny barefoot poem thing, you know, from the 90s. Hey, God, how come I only see one pair of footprints this time in my life? It's because that's the time that I was carrying you. And that's true. I just don't care for the beach very much, that's all. But Hawaii has beaches and mountains, huh? Let's pray.
Father God, thank you for my brothers and sisters, your church that's gathered together here today. Allow your word to so affect us that we would go out and be serving others because of the way that it's profoundly touched and moved our lives. And just as much as you've touched each one of these people, all of those people, we don't want to just be the kind of people that are crying out to be touched, but when we do, you'll touch us. But we don't want to just be the kind of people that are crying out to be touched, but that, that move on from our insufficiencies, go on from healing to touch others in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for this week, for the things that you have in store for us. Bless those conversations that we're going to have with friends and family over this holiday season. May our speech be seasoned with grace. And you be glorified in all our conversation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.